0: Loving Father in heaven, I'm so grateful that you're still on your throne and that your faithfulness is seen day by day as we see the results of your work both in nature and in our lives and in our ministries. Father, please speak to us today. Do plant a seed in our hearts. We need to understand more fully your message for this time and how we can work together with you in more effective ways to not only reach a hurting world, to heal a hurting world, but to supply our needs so that we can be sustained to finish your work. We pray and ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. So as a point of uh, illustration, I brought with me a box here with uh, some squash, some kabocha squash. It's called Sunshine. I gave one of these to a friend who's nearly 80 years old and he's been gardening all his life. He ate it and he said that was the most delicious winter squash I've ever eaten in my life. Would you like one? I have four questions and I have four squash and I'm going to give you one if you can answer the question. What were the means given to Adam and Eve for true education? First hand up. Uh, I think your hand went up first, but then it went down. Nature, Nature, almost. Okay, anything else? Yes. Cultivation Cultivation of the soil? Yes, I think that's pretty close. So let's have a look here at what we're told. God gave to our first parents the means of true education when he instructed them to till the soil and care for their garden home. There you have it. And so if we want food security, what do we need to do? We need to learn about true education. It's the foundation of life. Here you go. You have a little bit more food security. (laughs) So I have another one to give and another question for you. What did God give to parents so that they could raise children with clear minds and be able to reason and be thinkers, not just Reflectors of man's thoughts. First hand, yes. He gave the garden. That's true. So here we have it. In connection with your home, have a garden if possible where your children can work and where you can work with them. So instruct them and so arrange their work that their spare time will not be spent in idleness. Give them something definite to do and let them feel that they are doing something to help father and mother to sustain the family. Let the older ones feel the responsibility of giving a right example to the younger children. Let all act part according to their years. When the children thus trained attend school, they will have clear minds. They will be able to reason for themselves and will not accept that which this one says or that one says without some proof. You think that's needed today with all the voices that are bombarding young people? Amen. Here's a... Squash for you with a little bit more food security. See, if we follow the counsel of the Lord, we will be secure in these times of crisis. Third question. What combination did God give to medical missionaries that would work miracles? What combination of things did God give to medical missionaries that would work miracles? Okay. That could be true, but it's not exactly true because, you see, the Holy Spirit works through physical things as well. So who has a... anybody have? Okay, yes. Agriculture and the natural remedies. And the natural remedies. Are very close. I think I'll give you that one. Let's read it. We are told, locate sanitariums on extensive tracts of land where, in the cultivation of the soil... Patients can have opportunity for healthful outdoor exercise. Such exercise combined with hygienic treatment, which would be what, hydro and the like, will work, what will it work, miracles Miracles in restoring and invigorating the diseased body and refreshing the worn and weary mind. If you would like to come and get your squash, you will be food secure. <laughs> okay, uh, one more question. Considering the future problem of buying and selling, what has God counseled us to do? Yes. To move, to the country and move to the country and grow your own food. Very good, Dorothy, you got it right on. Here it is. Again and again, the Lord has instructed that our people are to take their families away from the cities into the country where they can raise their own provisions. For in the future, the problem of buying and selling will be a very serious one. We should now begin to heed the instruction given us over and over again. Get out of the cities into rural districts. Dorothy, I know you're already involved in growing your own food, but you have a little bit more food security today. So about four years ago, the Lord impressed three different individuals at the same time with the same burden without them collaborating together. They came out with these books on agriculture, compilations. Never in the history of the Adventist church had a compilation on agriculture been put together and put into the hands of His people. You see, God sees the future. He knows what we need And we are heading into very serious times. And so he has given us this counsel for us to become very familiar with and knowledgeable and to implement into our lives so that we will not be caught and panicking like the rest of the world. And I encourage you to go to the WeMart or go online to Amazon and buy yourself one of these. I believe that the WeMart carries the Councils on Agriculture book. Uh, Hopefully they'll have enough for all of you. Um, but uh, I very strongly encourage you to read that book because there's much more in that book than I can share in the short time that I have today. The book outlines outlines the benefits of farming or agriculture in our lives and in our work and our ministry. Every one of us, there is a benefit for medical missionary work, for true education, for soul winning, for food security, and for spiritual development. Do you think they're all important for us today? Amen. And so, in addition to the Lord giving us these books full of counsel, about seven years ago, the Lord raised up the Adventist Agricultural Association to bring back to God's people, to bring us to an awareness of the counsel that's been given, and to help equip God's people to implement the counsel. And so every year we have a conference where about 700 people have been coming together, and we have classes from beginners, if you've never uh, gardened before or done anything, to experienced uh, farming uh, seminars as well, as well as many inspirational talks. You can find them online. If you go to Audioverse and go to the conferences, you'll find a number of the conferences that are there and a, and a lot of uh, good inspirational instructional. Uh, talks there. And if you go to Facebook, Facebook has a, a page for the Adventist Agricultural Association I encourage you to check that out as well. There's some good information and things that will be helpful. So I don't know if you've been to the shops lately but uh, I know when I was there several weeks ago I did see empty shelves. It was on the toilet paper a, a row but I did see that the food shelves were starting to empty out and I've heard that that has gotten worse. And in addition to our food becoming scarcer and harder to get, uh, the news has been talking about food shortages forecast for the future, as well as that the seed manufacturers are very busy right now because people are feeling the need to get into growing food because they don't know that they're going to be able to go and get what they need uh, in the stores. And so they are selling out of seed and I can testify that that is true because the the one company that I deal with mostly Johnny's Selected Seeds in Maine uh, are no longer selling to the home grower. They're only selling directly to the commercial growers because the demand is so high they can't keep up with it and they're a company that has excellent service usually put in an order and the next day it's in the mail and you get it very quickly. They are backlogged, and even with their co- just dealing with commercial growers, we're looking at about a week out before we can see the shipment of what we've ordered. And if you go through their list of what they have available, many are sold out. And in the past, you could order something sold out, and when it came back in stock, they would send it to you. They're no longer doing that because I think they know that they might not be able to get that seed because the demand is so high. So, what is the food security that God has for His people? We are told that in God's plan for Israel, every family had a home on the land with sufficient ground for tilling. Thus, we're provided the means and the incentive for a useful, industrious, and self-supporting life. And no devising of man has ever done what? Improved upon that plan. To the world's departure from it is owing to a large degree the poverty. And what does poverty produce? Shortage of food, right? And the wretchedness that exists today. In God's plan, even those who lived in the city, in Jerusalem, were to be involved in agriculture. Did you know that? Look at this in Ezekiel chapter 48 and verses 18 and 19. This was a blueprint, you could say, for the children of Israel when they came back from having been captive in Babylon, returning back to the nation of Israel and rebuilding Jerusalem. God gave them a blueprint for the temple, and He gave them a blueprint for the layout of the city. And in this blueprint, right here in Ezekiel 48 and verses 18 and 19, it says, "...the rest of the length alongside the district of the holy section shall be 10,000 cubits to the east." and 10,000 to the west, it shall be adjacent to the district of the holy section, and its produce shall be food for the workers of the city. Not like we would do it. We would put a farm next to the city, and we'd hire a farmer or farmers, and have them grow it, and then give it to us. But in God's plan, notice what it says. The workers of the city from all the tribes of Israel shall cultivate it. Would that have included the Levites? Don? Pastor Don? You'd have been out there in the time of Israel cultivating the garden. And that was part of God's plan that everybody would have the benefits because there are many benefits that come from the activity of agriculture. I won't read this because of the short... Well, yes, I will. I was going to say the time is too short, but I will read this because I think it's a beautiful verse. The wise man... Solomon said this, I have seen the God-given task. What's the God-given task that he gave to man? There's only one God-given task that he gave in the beginning to man. What was it? Yeah. To till the soil. I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He, that is God, has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. You see, most of mankind, when they plant a seed and they watch it grow, are not thinking that there is a God in heaven who puts His Holy Spirit in that seed and germinates it and gets it to grow and brings it to the harvest so that we can reap it. Most people are not thinking about God. They don't think about His involvement in agriculture, but He is very involved, very involved. And the wise man says, I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. It is so rewarding when you've been working hard and cultivating food to be able to sit down and enjoy the sweet goodness of God to taste and see that he is good. And that is what he wants all of mankind to, to do. And as we are mindfully cultivating, working in cooperation with God, working with him, when we sit down to eat that, you know what it does for you? It makes your heart be so grateful and thankful and, and to, to, to say a special thanks to God for this gift, this precious gift he's given. Paul, when he went to Athens, had something very interesting to say to them as he was looking for an opening door, an open door or an open wedge that he could put in there to get their attention. And he says, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious, for I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship. I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him I proclaim to you. Today, I know that you know our Creator God, but perhaps we are not familiar with His unseen agencies that are working for us. So today, I want to proclaim to you the unknown agencies of God working for us that we would understand Him better. God has much more in mind for us here at Weimar and around the world in the, the work of the three angels, giving of the three angels' messages, than food security. You see, if we are just thinking about food security, we are no different than those who followed Jesus for the loaves and the fishes. When Jesus gave something hard to say, many turned away from him because they followed him for the loaves and fishes. They wanted food security, but they did not want the hard things that he had to give. And so what I share today is not to um, point a finger and saying, you know, being critical, we're not doing what God has said, but it is merely to say this is what the Lord has said that we should do and for us to look at it and say, Lord, help us. Lord, help us to take hold of everything that is going to enable us to more effectively accomplish your work in this earth. So here we have it. Ellen White was given a special vision where she saw sanitariums that um, were following God's plan. And if they followed God's plan, their results would be very powerful. Now, just think about this when I share this in the context of the giving of the three angels' messages. That is the most important work that we do. But we have to do things that are going to captivate the attention of people so that they will listen and heed the counsel that has been given in the Word of God. So through medical missionary work, God wants to heal people. And as God heals people, then they open up to God and His message. But through agriculture, there is a certain role that it plays to help them understand the the practical, faith. Um, applications of believing the message. So let me read it, and then we'll discuss it a little bit further. She says, In the night season, a view of a sanitarium was shown me. The institution was not so very large, but it was complete. It was surrounded by beautiful ornamental trees, and beyond these were orange groves. Connected with the place were gardens in which the woman patient's if they chose could cultivate flowers of every description each patient selecting a special plot for which to care outdoor exercise in these gardens was what was prescribed can you imagine a doctor writing a prescription to a sick person go to the garden get your hands in the soil and plant some things and then start caring for them pull out the weeds and this is part of your healing can you imagine that this was, was prescribed as a part of the regular treatment. Thus I was instructed by the Lord. Scene after scene passed before me. In one scene there was a number of suffering patients who had just come to one of our country sanitariums. In another I saw the same company. But oh, how transformed! They were walking about and talking and appeared happy. Disease had gone. The skin was clear and the countenance joyful. Body and mind seem full of health. Never, she says, did I value outdoor life. Let me pause there. When you hear Ellen White say the outdoor life, she is referring to the activity of outdoor work in nature, primarily cultivating food. So just understand that context of outdoor life. Never did I value outdoor life as a means of restoring the sick to health as I valued it after these scenes had passed before me. I had always taught these principles, but never before had I so clearly seen the life-giving power in nature. Since these views were given to me, I have felt intensely over the matter and have earnestly desired to give the light to all who are engaged in medical missionary work. Do you get that? She wanted it to go to all who are engaged in medical missionary work. Are we engaged in medical missionary work here at Wema? We are. So should we listen to this? Amen. I was also instructed that those who have been sick are restored to health in our sanitariums in this country and return to their homes. Many will be favorably impressed by the transformation that has taken place in them. Those who have been benefited will be, as it were, living object lessons. Many of the sick and suffering... Notice this. This is where the three angels' messages come into it. Many of the sick and suffering will turn from the cities to the country, refusing to conform to the habits, customs, and fashions of city life. They will seek to regain health in some of our medical institutions in the country. Thus... Even if we are removed from the cities 20 or 30 miles, we shall be able to reach the people. Those who desire health will have opportunity to regain it under conditions most favorable. So, notice that the effect of the patients coming to the sanitarium being prescribed gardening activities, spending time in nature, and all the wonderful benefits of our sanitariums or our lifestyle centers and getting a taste for the something better that God has than what the world offers, than what man has given. That they see that God has a better plan and that He is calling His people out of Babylon, which actually includes calling them out of the cities because we know that the judgments of God are falling already upon the cities and God's people are called to come out and to prepare for the time that is soon to come on this world. And so these patients become these living object lessons to their friends and to others. So the ripple effects go on and others will come as a result. You see, if we are just healing people, sending them back to their city lifestyle, they don't have the God-given means to take hold of the health message and to live it in its fullness. They've got to be thinking about, I've got to go outside every day and breathe some fresh air. I've got to go for a walk every day and do some exercise. I've got to go to the gym and do some exercise uh, to get all my muscles working. Um, And they have to think about all this list and schedule every one of these New Start principles. But if they get into the garden, they're doing all of these principles all together in uh, in one package and they can maintain this healthful lifestyle practice that we teach. That's why gardening should be and was counseled to us to be part of our medical missionary work. We are told, God will work wonders for us if we work in faith. When we cooperate with him, he is ready to do his part. Everything in my power I desire to do, that my brethren may be led to pursue a sensible course, and that their efforts may be most successful. Here we have it again, another statement. I want you to just enter into the heart and to the mind of Ellen White, who was given these visions, who experienced it personally herself through one time when she was deathly sick. People thought she was going to die. She had a terrible lung condition that she was coughing. and was so bad. Maybe it was coronavirus. I don't know. But it was something really deathly, uh, you know, it was killing her. And the people thought that she was going to die. And her husband took her out of where they were. I don't know if it was in the city of Battle Creek. I'm not sure. I didn't check the context of it. But they went to a rural location. And you know what she did? She was given a comfortable seat on the ground. And she started planting strawberries. And she said that as I was planting these strawberries in the ground, she said it was like the poison that was in my lungs was just being drawn out. And she said in a very short time I was well. So she experienced it for herself. She used it to restore her husband when he had had a deathly stroke and he was thought he would be an invalid for the rest of his life. She used agriculture to restore his health so he had a few more years of usefulness in God's work. And so she understood this. So I want you to enter into her heart. And as she's sharing these messages, just think, the urgency that she felt, to get this message across to God's people. This is what He wants you to do. This is your protection. This is where the effectiveness of your work lies in reaching more people for the kingdom and and more effectively um, sustaining the work that you're doing. She says, "'I plead, I plead for our sanitariums to be located away from the cities where the children and youth can learn to cultivate the soil and to develop naturally.'" In the country, they can develop healthful bodies and clear minds by the exercise to be found in out-of-door work. This is in harmony with the instruction that has been given me. We should endeavor to establish our institutions where there is plenty of land to be cultivated. The patients should have plenty, notice that word, plenty of outdoor employment and recreation. Give them opportunity to exercise their muscles by caring for flowers and fruit and vegetables. There is healing for disease in out-of-door life. The Lord will act His part in providing sunshine and showers. Let men and women be taught to do their part in cultivating the soil. Can you sense her heart? Can you sense the urgency that she felt and the the, 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 just strong, I, I want you to understand this. I was thinking as most of the world, probably billions of people, are rigorously washing their hands and sanitizing their hands and surfaces all around them. And here I am getting my hands dirty all day long. What a contrast. I don't have time to tell this story, but it's a beautiful story of this lady that Ellen White... Uh, went and visited at her home, Sister Heizerman, And this lady had been to our sanitariums. She had had hydro treatments and all the best of what our sanitariums could offer her. She was very sick and she went home and she was very feeble. She was still sick. She hadn't received healing completely, but she started to cultivate a garden Not because she learned it at the sanitarium, unfortunately, but she started to cultivate a garden. And slowly, even though she was very weak and she could do very little, day by day she got stronger and stronger and stronger until she was very strong. She had calluses on her hands. Sorry, ladies, but that's actually a good thing to have. Uh, She had calluses on her hands from, from working in the soil. She was a picture of health. Her health had been restored, and Ellen White visited her and she was so impressed that she recorded the story and then she had this concluding statement to say. She says, "'The benefit that Sister Heisman's work in the garden "'has been to her is a lesson for us all. "'It shows what such work would accomplish "'for the patients at our sanitariums. "'It would work a cure without drugs. "'Oh, how many invalids might be healed.'" If the Lord's methods were followed, when I read that, it makes me think that there are perhaps some people who leave our our lifestyle centers without complete healing because they're not experiencing what God has given us in its fullness. She says in another place, and you'll find this over and over again. It's amazing. Have you ever bought a car that you never noticed on the road before, and as soon as you bought a car and it was a certain color or whatever, and all of a sudden you start seeing the same kind of car on the road? Well, once you start seeing these statements, it's like they pop out everywhere to you. She says, locate sanitariums on extensive tracts of land where in the cultivation of the soil, patients can have opportunity for healthful outdoor exercise such exercise combined with hygienic treatment will work miracles in restoring and invigorating the diseased body and refreshing the worn and weary mind. We read that before, but I'll read the rest of the statement because it's really powerful. Amid conditions so favorable, the patients will not require so much care as if confined to a sanitarium in the city, nor will they in the country be so much inclined to discontentment and repining. They will be ready to learn lessons in regard to the love of God, ready to acknowledge that he who cares so wonderfully for the birds and the flowers will care for his creatures formed in his own image. Thus, opportunity is given physicians and helpers to reach souls, uplifting the God of nature before those who are seeking restoration to health. So it will aid us in the work of reaching souls for the kingdom as well as bring physical healing. She says in another place, working in the garden, gathering flowers and fruit, listening to the birds praising God, the patients will be wonderfully blessed. Angels of God will draw near to them. It's very interesting that in the, in the very con, uh, uh, natural surroundings that God created for us to, to be uh, living our lives in, that angels love to be there too. Angels of God will draw near to them. They will forget their sorrows, melancholy and depression. Perhaps it could be a major part of the depression recovery program. Melancholy and depression will leave them. The fresh air and sunshine and the exercise taken will bring them life and vitality. Have you ever spent much time in a garden when you're feeling really stressed? and just worn and just like your energies are just gone and you get down there in the garden you just start you're not really doing anything really physically that you know um, hard but you're just there doing something and it's like you just get lifted up and and revived it's part of God's plan to revive us the plan of having our sanitariums out of the cities is born of the Lord. This should be borne in mind, and sufficient land should be secured to raise fruit and vegetables. It will be a boon to the sick and to the helpers to be given outdoor work on the land. Many of our own workers have broken down in health through excessive mental taxation without the balance of physical exercise. Would you like your job description to be in, have two hours a day included in it? to be out working with students, to be out working with patients, whoever it is, to be out there. And this is part of your ministry to be with them in that location. And as a part of that, not just teaching in the classroom, sharing information, but you're out there being revived yourself. Wouldn't that be wonderful that we could have that kind of an experience? That is what God intended. But unfortunately, throughout the history of the SDA Church, this council has largely gone unheeded. I have searched, I have looked for evidence that our historic <coughs> lifestyle or sanitarium centers had gardens, and patients were prescribed this that we've been reading about. I have not been able to find it anywhere. And if you've if you found it, please share it with me because I want to see it. And I would say that if it was done in the past, there would be glowing reports, just as we are told there would be, of the results. We need to be sharing this message, and I want to share it more as God gives opportunity. But the extent of the loss of not including agriculture, we do not know and we do not understand. But I would, I would um, think that the loss is great. I would think that the loss is much bigger than we can even imagine. And I want to share a story with you that illustrates this point. It happened in my own country of New Zealand, where a young Maori man, in fact he was still a teenager, he was probably 16, maybe 17 years old, The Adventist work had just started in New Zealand. Stephen Haskell, who this hall is named after, was the first Adventist missionary to New Zealand. It was so far back in time, the 18, let me see, was it 1890s, when technology was starting to develop, and he had one of the early typewriters, you know, you remember those? They had to have muscles in their fingers to press those little keys and they would have to be impressed really hard upon the paper to, to get uh, a good clear print. He had one of these and he went to New Zealand and um, he didn't have printed tracks so at night time he was typing tracks to give away. Can you imagine that? Having to type your own tracks that you wanted to give away. Anyway, the, the work started to take hold in New Zealand. There was a few other missionaries that joined him. And this young man, Maui Pomari, would have been probably, I'm trying to think of the year that he would have um, heard the Adventist message, but it was in the 1890s. He um, was really converted. I mean, he had a powerful conversion experience. Have you ever seen someone that had such a transformational conversion experience? Their life was so different afterwards. You know, like in first, uh, 2 Corinthians 5:17, it talks about, you know, if any man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. All old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So Maui Pomari had that kind of a conversion experience, and he had a burden to share this message with his people, the Maoris. Now, he was a a young man who was born into a, you could say, a royal family. He was the son of a chief. He was in line to become a chief himself, and he um, had great potential. He was uh, very intelligent, he was very bright, he was one of the few privileged Maori young people to go to school, he went to a special school, and was gaining an education, and he had a burden to help his people. And so you can imagine the excitement amongst the early Adventist uh, missionaries. And Ellen White actually spent a winter in New Zealand where she was able to have some quiet time to finish the book, The Desire of Ages. So she was there for some time and you know, uh, mingled with some of the missionaries. And she was excited about Maui Pomari and the potential that he had of reaching not only his people, the Maori, but the whole nation of New Zealand. And so I'll share with you a few things that she wrote about this uh, experience with this young man. She says, We expect the young man, Maui Pomari, a Maori, will leave on the August boat for America. So he was sent to Battle Creek College to become a medical missionary worker so that he could come back and help his people. His going to Battle Creek means much, and please, she's writing this to Dr. Kellogg. This is a personal letter to Dr. Kellogg. His going to Battle Creek means much, and please do not forget this. It means that the impressions made will be carried to a whole nation. Give instruction that he shall have every kindness shown him, that he shall have a good bed and room, and the best and most spiritual society, the sons of the chiefs, and higher class of Maoris have conveniences equal to the Americans. I am told that he is a half-caste, pleasant in appearance, and intelligent. So she goes on and she says, Maui Pomari, he's a half-caste, which she said before, is the great-grandson of Pomari that took the Chatham Islands. Now if you were at or heard the message that John Bradshaw preached at ASI several years ago, he told the story about how the Maoris, uh, this, this Maori chief, took uh, people, warriors, over to the island of uh, Chatham Islands where there were a, a, a native people called the Moriori. And these Morioris were peaceful people, and they didn't fight. They refused to fight. The Maori slaughtered them, and they didn't fight back and try to defend themselves. And so, Pomari was the grandson of that chief that went and slaughtered and basically made the Moriori people extinct. Um, So, he came from a savage background, but he was converted. Maui Pamari has always worked from the earliest boyhood to elevate his people. And being of rank, he was granted the privilege of going to school. He designs to become a medical missionary that he may the better able to elevate his people. He is anxious to spend some of his time translating tracts into the Maori language. We rejoice that the truth is being carried to the Maori race. This is while he was still in high school. He hadn't even graduated from high school when this was written. He was still a young man of 16 or 17 years old, I think, at the time. Now, I told you that his life was completely transformed. His life was different after he was converted, and he had Jesus in his life, and he had the hope that we have. Notice what Ellen White says about this experience. She says, These Maoris make very much of their pleasure exercises, games at football and the like. But Pomari, seeking the Lord, had experiences such as God gives. He related to Sister Caro his experience, which was decided and firm. He said he had to give up his games of football or he could not rest in the peace of God. And he could not feel that he could glorify God in that exercise. Now, said Sister Caro, when he goes to Battle Creek, and finds them engaged in all these sports, I am afraid of the influence upon him. He will become acquainted with some who are engaged in these games. Well, well, said she, things are rather mixed up. I must give Pomari to the Lord, but I can fear that the enemy will come in to make the truth now to him so solemn, so sacred through the influence of others who have not had so deep an experience under trying circumstances to be brought down upon a level with common things. Sister Caro has at her own expense sent several of the New Zealand boys and is hiring money, that means borrowing money, to support them there. You can understand how she is exercised. She says, My boys write to me inquiring if it is not the best to go to Ann Arbor and obtain their education, hire a room and be by themselves. In other words the conditions at Battle Creek where they were playing sports for exercise was having a detrimental effect on these young students that were zealous to become workers for the Lord. So Ellen White was very concerned about this condition, and so she wrote wrote a letter to the teachers at Battle Creek, and she was reproving them, as only Ellen White knew how to do, And notice what she says. She says, I was speaking to the teachers in messages of reproof. All the teachers need exercise, a change of employment. God has pointed out what this should be, useful, practical work. But you have turned away from God's plan to follow human inventions and that to the detriment of the spiritual, not a jot or a tittle of the after influence of an education in that line, will fit you to meet the severe conflicts in the last days. What kind of education are our teachers and students receiving? Has God devised and planned this kind of exercise for you? Or is it brought in by human inventions and human imaginations? How is the mind prepared for contemplation and meditation and serious thoughts and the earnest, contrite prayer coming from hearts subdued? by the Holy Spirit of God." You see, this was before the time that Sutherland and McGann, who I liken to Caleb and Joshua in the Advent movement, who fully followed God. You see, when they came to Battle Creek, they said, all that the Lord has said we will do, and they didn't do it saying, we will do, we will do it with God's help. And what did they do when they got there? You know one of, the, one of the things they did as they were reading these councils and things? They took a plow. They went to the football field and they plowed up the football field to put in a garden that would provide the exercise that God had said. Yes. And so they were very zealous. But it was really hard on them. They were not understood. They received much criticism and much opposition In fact, it was so severe that when they finally moved Battle Creek College to Berrien Springs, the enrollment went from 700 down to 50. Can you imagine how little God's people were willing to, to get behind them and help them in this work? It was so hard for them, the criticism. Ellen White actually said that McGann's wife, who was very feeble and sickly, she actually died and part of the the stress of all the criticism that they were receiving contributed to to her death. So serious. And I I must uh, move on in the story. I could say more about that. Ellen White continues writing. She says, "'The Lord opened before me the necessity,' and she's still writing to the teachers, "'the necessity of establishing a school at Battle Creek "'that should not pattern after any school in existence.'" We were to have teachers who would keep their souls in the love and fear of God. Teachers were to educate in spiritual things, to prepare a people to stand in the trying crisis before us. But there has been a departure from God's plan in many ways. The amusements are doing more to counteract the working of the Holy Spirit than anything else, and the Lord is grieved. I don't know if you can get this. The Holy Spirit is grieved because the very plan that the Holy Spirit gave under inspiration for His people has not been followed, and instead in its place, worldly exercises and amusements are being um, implemented to provide the exercise needed, but it's not preparing God's people for the trying times ahead. Agriculture was given to prepare us for the trying times ahead. I have students that work with me on the farm, and it's wonderful to have them there. But one thing I've noticed year after year in the summertime, when we start work in the heat and it gets hotter and hotter until sometimes we have two weeks of triple-digit weather, I notice that they melt because they're not used to being outside, and it's hard, it's really challenging to be in the heat. And we, as we meet together in the morning before we go out to work and we have... A devotional time and prayer i encourage them you will get used to it and you will be able to handle it just endure agriculture teaches us to endure it teaches us patience because patience is so important patience is the foundational virtue to every other virtue if we don't have patience all the other virtues collapse it's very essential and agriculture teaches us patience when you plant the seed. You have to wait. You have to be diligent. In fact, the book of James says, look at the farmer and learn patience from the farmer as we're preparing for the Lord to come. The Battle Creek Sanitarium. Maui Pomari went to Battle Creek College to become a medical missionary, to return to his country, to help his people, and through reaching his people with the health message and improving their health to reach them with the three angels' messages. While he was at Battle Creek College, there was no agriculture for him to experience. While he was becoming a medical doctor and doing his internship, he never experienced agriculture as a healing modality. He didn't learn it. Unfortunately for Maui Pomari, while he was at Battle Creek College, the very thing that Ellen White feared and Sister Caro feared would happen to him did happen. He lost his way. By the time he returned to New Zealand, he was no longer a Seventh-day Adventist. He was no longer following the Lord. Alan White says that the fire that consumed the Battle Creek Sanitarium had a reason. Notice this. The Lord permitted fire to consume the principal buildings of the Review and Herald and the sanitarium and thus removed the greatest objection urged against moving out of Battle Creek. It was his design that instead of rebuilding one large sanitarium, our people should make plants in several places. These smaller sanitariums should have been established where land could be secured for agricultural purposes." It is God's plan that agriculture shall be connected with the work of our sanitariums and our schools. Our youth need the education to be gained from this line of work. It is well and more than well. It is essential that efforts be made to carry out the Lord's plan in this respect. That is powerful. Can you imagine Weimar burning down because we didn't do agriculture as part of what God said? God have mercy. Ellen White, underscoring the power of agriculture to help those who were sick. Notice what she said. She said, tell those who are sick that if the hosts of those who are dyspeptics and consumptives could turn farmers, they might overcome disease, dispense with drugs and doctors, and recover health. That's how powerful it is. I said before about how Paul went to Athens and talked about the unseen God that they worshipped to make the unknown God. I want you to think about the unknown agencies of God that he created that we know nothing about that are at work to help heal people in the right setting that he prescribed. Tuberculosis was also known as consumption. It was a deadly killer It was the cause of more deaths in industrialized countries than any other disease during the 19th and early 20th centuries. By the late 19th century, 70 to 90% of the urban populations of Europe and North America were infected with the TB bacillus. And about 80% of those individuals who developed active tuberculosis died of it. It was a pretty powerful, devastating pandemic. Ellen White says this about healing from this disease. She said, Sanitariums that are erected for consumptive patients should be placed some distance out of the city where there is plenty of open space, a clear stream, and land which can be cultivated. Then the patients can be drawn out into the fresh air, while those who are strong can cultivate the soil. The institutions built for consumptives which has not these accompanies, accompaniments Cannot benefit the patients. So notice what was involved there. Everything we have here, including land which could be cultivated, and that the patients could be drawn out into that fresh air and those who are strong enough to cultivate the soil. And if those conditions were there and used, they would benefit the patients. Could Mycobacterium vaccae, which is found abundantly in soil, have been the cure. Mycobacterium vaccae is a non-pathogenic species of mycobacteriaceae family of bacteria that lives naturally in soil. Research areas being pursued with regard to killed mycobacterium vaccae vaccine include immunotherapy for a allerg- uh, allergic asthma, cancer, depression, leprosy, Psoriasis, dermatitis, eczema, and tuberculosis. And and Hui Longcom Biologic Pharmacy Co Limited produces a Mycobacterium vaccae vaccine with the trade name Vaccae for the treatment of tuberculosis. Immunitor Incorporated has reported two successful clinical trials with its oral formulations of M in treating all forms of tuberculosis, including drug-resistant TB. Powerful. This was way after Ellen White gave the message about the conditions that would cure tuberculosis. Rather than taking a pill, they got it from hands in the soil. And perhaps they even breathed it in their nose. I'm sure they were. So, back to our story, Maori Pomari returns to New Zealand as a medical doctor. First Maori to become a medical doctor. He becomes the first Minister of Health in the New Zealand Parliament. He still had a great burden for his Maori people, but this time it was to help them with their sicknesses and diseases and to restore them to health without the three angels' messages. He became very prominent. He went with great effort. He walked miles and miles on his feet to remote villages and educated the Maori people in better healthful practices. The Maori people were dying. They were dying like flies. And the, the um, white settlers fully expected the Maori race to become extinct so much so that many of the settlers were taking advantage of them. They'd say, here, let me buy 10,000 acres from you and here's, the, here's the, the, what we agreed to, and they'd take 20,000. and Because they thought they'd never have any um, recourse where they would be held accountable for fraudulently taking land from them. Well, he helped the people, and it turned them around from becoming an extinct race to where there now, I believe, is close to half a million in the country. He became known as the savior of the Maori race. And in 1922, he was knighted, which is the highest honor anybody in the British uh, realm can receive. Consumption was a deadly killer of the Maori people. In the late 19th century, tuberculosis was a major killer of Europeans, accounting for 10% of all deaths. Maori were even more vulnerable. By the 1930s, Maori tuberculosis death rates were probably 10 times higher than for non Maori. So you can imagine this was just wiping out the Maori race. So Maui Pamari. Died from tuberculosis in 1930 at the age of 55 years. Three years older than me, too young to die. Two years younger than me, uh, older than me, sorry. So, did this need to happen? I would like to suggest that if agriculture had been present at Battle Creek College instead of the sports for exercise, that he would have been involved in that and not lost his spiritual experience with the Lord. I would like to suggest that if the sanitariums that he worked in to learn his medical medical missionary uh, experience had been using agriculture as a healing modality, he would have seen people with tuberculosis healed. And he would have gone back to New Zealand and he would have saved thousands and tens of thousands of his race from dying from tuberculosis. In addition to that, he himself would not have died in 1930. But much more than that, if he had remained converted, not only would he have saved his Maori race from dying, but he would have reached them with the three angels' messages. Can you imagine how many souls were lost to the kingdom of God as the result of not following God's plan? It is astronomical. And so I like to ask the question Is it time for Adventists to include agriculture in the list of needs for revival and reformation? What do you say? Do you agree? much more than words are needed. And I would like to make an appeal as we close because we are not following Jesus for the bread, the loaves and fishes. We are following Jesus because we love him, we adore him, we are committed to him, we wanna do everything he says and we wanna see him come quickly, amen? So we need to do more than just survive in this time to grow gardens, so that we have food security we need to help many others to know what we know and to prepare for the soon appearing of jesus are you willing before i uh, before you respond to this appeal i'm going to ask for you to stand to your feet but don't do it yet because to stand to your feet and not mean it to do it because everybody else is doing it I would call you to the front, but because of social distancing, I don't think it would be appropriate. But to stand to your feet when everybody else is doing it just to look like you are just part of everyone else and you're doing what everyone else is doing is a lie to the Holy Spirit. And you know how serious it is to lie to the Holy Spirit? It is deadly. So if you are feeling the spirit of repentance from the Holy Spirit, If you are feeling a call from God to do something about what you've heard today, if it is your desire to say, yes, I will do whatever it is in my ability, in my realm, in my um, responsibility to implement this plan of God, then I invite you to stand to your feet and say, Jesus, count me in on your plan for these last days. Praise the Lord. And if you're watching in a distant place, um, I invite you to stand too because God is looking for a people to stand in these last days. Let us pray. Loving Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much that you have given us light to help us through these trying times. If we do the work that you've asked us to do, we do not need to fear about food security. It will just be a natural byproduct of doing your work. And so, Father, we need to be equipped and prepared because this is just a testing ground now. This virus will come and go, and life will perhaps go back to somewhat normalcy. But a greater trial is coming when your people will be tested whether they will stand with you even when they're hungry. We will be tested severely. And Satan wants to make us feel so much pressure that we will yield. Lord, help your people to be prepared and to have the peace that passes understanding because we have adopted your ways that are higher than our ways. So help us, Lord. We've we've stood to indicate our desire to follow you fully. Help us do that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.